0: Welcome to This Fat Girl Life. I am so glad that you are here with me again tonight. Uh, Tonight I have Marin with me, and we are going to have such an amazing conversation. But before we get there, I just want to remind you that if you would like to support this broadcast and be a part of what I'm trying to do with the message I'm trying to promote of knowing your worth of loving yourself and the body that you're in, you want to help me make decisions that are going to be happening soon then all I ask is that you consider supporting this prod, uh, broadcast. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. Y'all, one coffee is $5. You can't even get coffee at Starbucks that cheap. And the first 20 people that buy me a coffee are going to be entered into a drawing for me to buy you a coffee. So buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. Maren, thank you so much for being here with me. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And it's Maren. I get Maren all the time, I'm but so long sorry. A. That's okay. <laughs> 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 thought that's I'd start so with sorry.
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let me correct that then. I'm sorry. No uh, worries. Why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes. So my name is Maren Loka. I am the owner of Yes, and which is a coaching practice that uses positive psychology principles to help mainly women. I also support some men as well, um, but mainly women really step into their authentic life and authentic authenticity is a buzzword these days. Um, So what I mean by that is really aligning our time, our resources, our jobs, our relationships, really every aspect of our life with the things that we really value, we really desire. And even those things that we uniquely fear or struggle with or are challenged by, because that's also a really important part of the conversation.
0: Very much so. So tonight we are actually discussing embracing your badassness regardless of the shape of your body. And I think that is such a huge struggle. And I actually was discussing this on another podcast a little bit earlier today. You know, especially you know, and I see it from the plus-size side of things, but I know it happens with straight sizes as well, especially the smaller straight sizes.
2: Um
0: because we do not fit that societal norm, We are expected to just kind of hide in the background. We should be seen and not heard and definitely not embrace our badassness. And if we have a loud personality, we need to shut it down.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Thoughts? Yes,
1: yes, yes. So I was so attracted to your message. Um, One, because you're an amazing human, and just listening to your episodes, uh, the conversations are so genuine here, which is feels a little bit rare these days to find those genuine conversations. Um, But also, I myself had an eating disorder um, a few years ago, so I feel very healthy now. But there was a time when I really struggled with my image as as the most important thing i had this story in my mind that that was that was the point of of everything really my life centered around that and how debilitating that is and how untrue that is and how overwhelming that is like i said it impacted all aspects of my life, my friendships, my relationships, my career, my hobbies. I was a dancer. I'm still a dancer, um, but at the time, that was it was even impeding on that thing that I was most passionate about. And as you said, there's there are these stories are fed by society as well, um, especially if we start looking for them. They are all over the place of image being, especially for women, but also for men. Image being the thing to focus on most, or that's most important, or that's most valuable. And if it isn't the societal norm, which also changes though for many years has been relatively the same. Um, but if you don't meet that societal expectation, then there's something bad or wrong. And like you said, then you have to dim your light until you figure that out, which just is the farthest thing from the truth, but especially when it is embedded in so much of our society and teachings and what we see every single day, it's hard to not, um, to not fall into that. I think it's actually it's actually the easier thing to do is to fall into that story and it takes courage and vulnerability and awareness to be able to see, hold on a second, I am so much more than this. And by the way, that story <laughs> isn't even true um, or something that that at least for me personally and I can tell for you as well, my values don't align with that at all. And so why would I fall into that story in the first place or why would I let that rule my life or the lives of those who I really care about around me?
0: Well, and I think where I see this being the most damaging, because yes, it's, it's hard on us as grown women, but especially when you're dealing with middle school age and high school age, you know, especially girls. I mean, yes, it affects men. I've actually had my husband on and I've had another male on and we've, you know, we've discussed those But you see that so often in young impressionable girls who are bombarded, especially on social media, you know, of what, you know, the the Insta models Mm -hmm. and things like that where they're told you have to look like this to be attractive, Mm -hmm. to be accepted, Mm -hmm. to be loved and i feel like that is so dangerous
1: mhm Yeah, and like you said, that impressionable age. So my background is psychology um, and my master's degree is positive psych and and specifically positive developmental psych. And so a lot of my coursework and research centered around how do we evolve throughout the years. And like you said, that adolescent period being a really important period, same as you you know, even younger than that. Um, But to at that point in our life when we're adolescents, we are comparing to our peers. And that used to be our classmates and our neighbors but now it is the Instagram models. We see them at that age as our peers and they appear to be peers to us, um, but are, may not be, are definitely edited and all the things that the the shadow sides, the downsides of social media, there are also positives. Um, but what also is standing out to me when you share that too is that I think sometimes we can assume that if we're past that impressionable age, then we're fine and we should be okay and we shouldn't have to deal with any of those stories. But the thing is, as we develop, those things stay with us. That's why it's so common in psychology and in therapy and counseling and coaching to go back to our inner child. Because that's where so much of these things originate and we have to really return to those or at least be aware of, you know, that's still with us in some capacity. And can we be compassionate toward that part of ourselves and know that there's a reason why I'm being defensive when it doesn't really make sense to be defensive in this certain situation, for instance, and to know that that roots back to something like a time in adolescence when all of those things are forming. Mm
0: -hmm. 100%. And, you know, I see it. You know, with tonight's topic of embracing that bad assness, you know, harnessing that love for self and that acceptance of self. And especially, I'm going to honestly say more the acceptance than the love even, because we can love somebody with all our heart. That doesn't mean we like them all the time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we love them and we accept them for who they are. So. That's what we need to learn to do with ourselves, and in, it does not matter how old you are, how young you are, until you have reached that point of acceptance, you're going to have these struggles. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And usually I don't nerd out too hard with research, but you are just speaking directly to what the research says as well. So I can't help it. Um, But self-compassion, that's something that I really focused on in in my research studies. And self-compassion essentially is acceptance. That's a big part of that. And what I was so surprised to learn is that goal attainment and, you know, even such as weight loss or, or becoming a healthy version in our own skin and, um, you know, other ambition and goals that we can we think of when we think of stereotypical goals those things i think we've been brought up in our society may even tell us or coaches or whatever traditional ways of going about things that self criticism and not accepting ourselves intentionally is the way to attain those things and the research shows the exact opposite it is when we are compassionate and accepting toward ourselves that we achieve more of our goals and we are even more healthy and that is a total 180 from what many of us, myself included, had adopted of this is the way to go about life is to be hard on myself, is to not accept myself, is to not love myself because then there's the story that then I'll become better or then I will achieve these things when actually it's let's start with the acceptance and the compassion and the love for others and for ourselves. And that not only feels great in the moment, but it also helps us get to where we wanted to go in the first place.
0: Well, and I'm going to hone in on what you just said, too, of that, you know, being harsh on yourself and that Mm -hmm. not accepting of yourself, you know, people do that in the hopes of I'm going to, you know, beat myself up until I hit this goal. The problem with that is then they hit that goal and it's not a done. Mm -hmm. It's not what they thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. They didn't lose 30 pounds and get the guy. You know, Mm -hmm. they that didn't happen. It didn't play out how they imagined it would. And then they're even harder on themselves. And Mm -hmm. that causes even more mental and emotional anguish and damage.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said the word enough, and so lately my buzzword, I have it right here. My book is called Ready Enough that I just wrote and have been just like entrenched in in the last month since it released, Um, and what you spoke to was really – what I tried to and have been told I portrayed, um, but totally up to everyone for their own interpretation. But is the cycle of this compassionate cycle. So rather than being hard on ourselves, and like you said, that leads to a cycle of then being hard on ourselves again until the next goal, and it just continues forward. And to add compassion to that too, if anyone is listening and, and finds themselves in that place right now, it's okay. That's human. Like we said, that's what we've been told <laughs> our whole lives. Especially mm-hmm. we think of our our academic track. That's usually you know you got. You got to get the A. You got to work harder, that hard grind mentality. Um, So it's okay if that's where we're at. And to have a little bit of a light or a different option to choose from, and one that really does work, is this cycle. In the book, I talk about a seven-step cycle for specifically making decisions, um, but entwined in that is this positivity and not in the sense of ignoring negative emotions, but in the sense of adding that compassion to the process. And the very last step of the seven is begin again, which is to say, you can do this over and over and over and not in a way that you're not enough, but in a way that you are always enough because this is always a cycle. Life is always a journey. And so the the last step is to start again, which just gives you permission that this doesn't have to be the only one time that you ever make a decision or do something challenging or pursue a goal. And it gives also a little bit of that intentionality that we don't expect that one goal or one decision to be the final thing because you're already enough and you can just continue to pursue whatever lights you up in, in these moments.
0: I love that. And I actually typed that on the bottom of the screen, begin again. Mm -hmm. And that honestly, my first thought is the movie *Anne of green Gables. I love that movie. Miss Stacy. Tomorrow is always fresh with no mistakes in it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How accurate is that for our lives in general?
2: Mm -hmm. Even
0: when we're trying to hit that goal, trying to hit that mark, we can try again. Mm -hmm. Because failure is inherent. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. I don't care who you are. I don't care how amazing your life is you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. It could be burning the eggs when you're making breakfast. (laughs) It's going to happen. But do you throw away everything in your kitchen because you burnt eggs? (laughs) Or do you just throw those eggs away and start over? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And learn from your mistakes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adding in normalizing how common mistakes or failures, or even if we just label them challenges or um, less comfortable emotions, less comfortable experiences, normalizing that into life just immediately lifts a weight off of my shoulders. I know it lifts a weight off of many of my clients' shoulders. When we start to expect that as part of the process, yes, rather than just get to that point because we'll inevitably get there. At least that's my experience and belief system. We'll, we'll get to those challenges and then think, oh my gosh, I did something wrong instead of like you used with this, the eggs metaphor of, okay, learn something. Don't put it on high. Even if I'm in a rush, (laughs) it's not going to turn out well. (laughs) Lesson learned, begin again. Let's try something new, try something different.
0: Exactly. And I think that that's almost the beauty of failure there are times and I'm gonna use myself as an example I my husband and I joke all the time you know, I'll do some I'll make a mistake or something and I joke with I' like you know what I can own my mistakes I don't make very many <laughs> <laughs> and we know it's a joke between the two of us he's in the background laughing if you can't see him <laughs> but it, it there are moments there are things that I do that I almost want to to have a failure Mm. because I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn a lesson.
2: Mm.
0: If you go into everything and you automatically succeed and there's no struggle, then what is the reward? Mm. What have you fought for? What have you learned from it and how have you grown?
1: Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, it's making me think of, and I did not come up with this advice. This is relaying someone else's advice, but they were saying if, if someone is trying to learn, for instance, how to win the lottery, like what are my best chances? How do I make that happen? Um, or even, even to extend this metaphor further, just buying lottery tickets, not even looking into the process, but just saying, I'm going to buy lottery tickets in one day, maybe. And the quote unquote problem, there's, I don't want to necessarily label it a problem, but the the outcome of that, even if you won the lottery, is that how do you repeat that process by maybe winning again, by maybe buying more lottery tickets? Whereas if, for instance, you spend many years building a business, of course, there's going to be failures and challenges and hardships and lessons learned along that way. 100%, there's going to be that. And Once you, quote unquote, win the lottery in that setting, you've learned for years, and I'll even just put this to first person, I have learned throughout the years what it takes to get to that point, which means I can already have that in my tool belt to go on forward. And I'm not starting from scratch then again, trying to, quote unquote, win the next lottery. It's I have a foundation that I'm now building off of and the lottery is already won and coming in tenfold over and over again because of those Mm -hmm. lessons learned.
0: Oh, 100%. I'm, you know, I can first person it as well. I run three different podcasts.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: The
0: first podcast, this one is actually the first podcast I launched. This was my learning experience. Mm -hmm. So when I launched podcast number two, I had some systems in place, still had a whole lot to learn. But I had a general idea of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then third podcast launched. Those systems were down pat. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And with each one, it becomes a little bit easier.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm able to grow just a mm-hmm. little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, I've learned the things that work and the things that don't
2: work. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you're building that foundation with the failure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But again, if we don't fail, if we Your failure was never an option, if it never happened, what would you ever learn? Mm
1: -hmm. What I like about your example is the one caveat that was coming to mind for me when we were talking about challenges and failures is that sometimes in some situations with clients, I find that they're almost intentionally adding these challenges and failures into it that don't need to be there. Just because sometimes for some of us, there can be this story of I'm not worthy enough or, you know, whatever the dialogue is in our minds. And therefore this has to be hard in order for me to to earn it, to deserve it. And that's a whole different thing we can dive into. And and every individual is different, like I said. Um, so what I love about your story is you have this example of there was a really challenging or more challenging lessons learned, lesson filled time with podcast number one. You saw that those lessons went down or those challenges, those hardships went a little bit lower in podcast two and even lower in podcast three. And so it doesn't mean that every time has to be like podcast one. It doesn't mean that every time you have to have that amount of challenge for it to pay off or be successful, you're learning along the way. And that's such a great example to have those three kind of compartmentalized projects to see that growth and then experience in that third podcast, oh, it's not that, you know, I'm not worthy of this success because it was so much easier this time or I had so much, so less difficulty along the way. It's because podcast one and two happened.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I love that you kind of touched on that Mm self-sabotage. That's what I refer to it as, is self-sabotage. And I think we've all been there. Mm -hmm. If anybody says they've never done it to themselves, they're lying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I call it. (laughs) Because I think every person has done it. And at least one aspect of their life, it becomes, this is too easy. This You know, therefore I must throw a monkey wrench into it Mm -hmm. and something's got to make this hard Mm -hmm. instead of just embracing that maybe I've learned something along the way that made this
2: easier.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Self-sabotage is a tricky thing (laughs) because it's so unique. It's so sneaky. And, 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 I guess what comes to mind too, is it's not always bad, right? Like sometimes to, to experience that until to even to make it even more meta that we then learn from that lesson <laughs> of self-sabotaging along the way. Um, and, and like you said, it's normal. And I love that we're normalizing that as part of the conversation that it is, it is normal to, um, almost self-create these challenges or or roadblocks or stories or whatever they are in our mind because we're human, because that's what we do. Our Mm -hmm. brains are excellent problem solvers. And so they're looking for a problem to solve. And if we don't have one, it might make one. (laughs) And that's okay. That just means we're functioning as humans.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's what makes us human. Yes. It makes us real and not robots. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I have two final questions for you. Normally, I just ask one. But you've listened to the episodes; you know the one, so I'm going to throw a new one in for you. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so part of tonight's topic was embracing your badassness. Mm-hmm. What is the most badass thing about you that you've embraced?
1: Oh, love it. Okay. The most badass thing that I've embraced. This came out in multiple ways this weekend, but particularly in a workout class I went to with friends. and. It was supposed to be like workout and then rest on the other side of it. And instead of resting, I just danced. And this wasn't like a 10-person workout class that was all of my friends. This was a (laughs) 66-person workout class. I had never met anyone besides my core group of like four girlfriends who were all going to this together for fun um, and made what some people might call a total fool out of myself. But for me, it's just who I am. <laughs> I mentioned I was a dancer earlier. It is still in my bones, whether it's an actual dance class or just in the middle of the street. And I don't know where I picked this up, but somewhere along the way, I just said, I'm going to, da- if I feel like dancing in the middle of a workout class where no one else is doing anything, <laughs> I'm going to do it. There's music playing. I like the song. I'm going to move my booty and it's going to be fun. And that's something I really am proud of myself for, of being it, being able to break out of that shell and break out of the um, any of the stories or the shame or the embarrassment that I could see otherwise sneaking in. Instead, I just let myself be that badass dancer who's going to do it in whatever circumstance it is um, and bring joy to maybe a few others' lives, but mine, <laughs> mine as well.
0: <laughs> I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And now for the question that you are prepared for. What do you love most about yourself?
1: I love most about myself that I am always open to growth and that can be with people like this conversation has been one of growth that can be, on my own journey of being willing to look at things that might feel spooky or scary at first, those stories that are kept in our, the corners of our mind, of my mind. Um, and that can also look like setting really big ambitions, like opening my business or writing my first book um, and and going for it and letting letting that be <laughs> good enough and and always a journey. So it doesn't have to be a milestone or something that needs to happen first. But the growth in itself is something that I embrace and nourish. And um, I think I'm pretty good at it, (laughs) if I say so myself.
0: (laughs) Well, if somebody's interested, where can they find your book? And what is the title of it again?
1: Yes. The book is called Ready Enough. It is your seven-step guide for life's hardest decisions. And like I mentioned during this conversation, it's very much a process that you can continue over and over again to make decisions, but also to pursue something that might feel a little bit scary in life right now. Um, And I give you all the encouragement from before the decision is made to making the decision to after the decision and trusting in that process um, as it goes. And like we said today, beginning again. So you can find my book and you can find me and all of my social platforms. Platforms, mainly YouTube and Instagram, on my website, yesandbymarin.com. So that's Y-E-S-A-N-D-B-Y-M-A-R-I-N.com.
0: Okay. And I'm putting that on the bottom of the screen. Perfect. Right now. So there you guys go. Check out her website. Check out her book. Definitely. Marin, I have loved having you on the show. I have loved this conversation. And thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. all of our conversations we've had so far. Um, and I know that someone will will gain a little nugget of insight from this one. So thank you for sharing it.
0: Of course. Well, you guys, that is it for tonight. I am going to go and eat dinner. I've got bacon being cooked behind me and I'm like practically salivating. So I'm going to go eat some bacon on a turkey burger. I hope you all have an amazing night.